Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Standing up for what's right. This is The Roy Green Show. Bones are hurting from the inside out. Um, it's every day is something different. It jumps from one area to another, and just when you're in pain all the time, it literally it just starts to make you completely crazy. I can't walk. I, I I'm essentially useless. I just I'm unable to ambulate. If I'm able to get around it, I have to drag my lower body around the house because my spine is uh, that painful. It won't hold my legs up. Um, And I just sit around and cry. I mean, I am not able to uh, be useful to anybody, at least of all my children. The voices of two chronic pain patients who joined us on this program on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. We're going to talk about chronic pain to start the show today. A lot coming up, including three tweets that I uh, posted yesterday during the program. And they've been retweeted and repeated so many times, it's still going on, that I'm going to ask you about those three tweets a little later on today. And you will not want to not be part of that. Um, But back to the issue of pain. In a moment, we're going to be talking to the executive director of Pain British Columbia, the organization. But I also want to go back to a conversation we had with the then federal justice or minister of health, um, Jane Philpott, Dr. Jane Philpott. And Dr. Philpott's press secretary had called me and said, you're not really being fair as far as dealing with governments and how we approach the issue of pain management is concerned. And uh, your accusations that chronic pain patients are not being treated fairly. So the minister would like to talk to you. So we had that conversation. Here's how a a little bit of that went. What are pain patients addicted to? Uh, You want to know what particular... Yeah, I'd like to... you You tell me, please, and tell my listeners, which includes chronic pain patients, one of whom will be joining me shortly. What are pain patients addicted to? Well, I think you are asking a question that is trying to uh, to describe the fact that there's a, a single or simple story, and I think that there, uh, I, I don't want to oversimplify. Uh, well, Minister, with, with, with due respect, I don't think you've answered any of my questions yet. Well, feel free to ask me another question then, and I'll see if I can satisfy you. So that was just one of the exchanges. You can still find that entire interview at RoyGreenShow.com in the podcasts. And we'll play another clip from it later on. But the issue of chronic pain is massive. In the United States, they're saying that upward of 100 million people are living with chronic pain. Upward of 100 million people. One out of roughly uh, one out of three in the U.S. In Canada, the number's generally estimated to be one out of five, so 20%. 
in this country are living with chronic pain. And for many, as we've heard so frequently, the pain is so severe, their lives may sink into significant depression. And for some, suicidal thoughts become a regular occurrence. And suicide, to get away from the constant agony, becomes a reality. The number from the U.S. again, about 20,000 suicides annually, are generally attributed to chronic pain issues. There was a Toronto Star story that originated in Vancouver, and the headline is Proposed Rules for Chronic Pain Treatments Could Create Crisis for Patients. Now, that's not quite the picture that we heard last week, because the story last week was that uh, the College of Physicians and Surgeons of British Columbia had issued a directive to doctors not to ignore any pain patients, to treat them, and to not limit their access to opioid medication as it's necessary. Now, I'm not sure what these proposed rule changes are, although I understand what it is. Part of it is that there would be a, a broader team effort to try to treat chronic pain patients. Maria Hutspeth is the executive director of Pain BC. She joins us on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Ms. Hudspeth, thank you so much for the time. Let me ask you, first of all, what is it you do? What's your mandate at uh, Pain BC? Uh, well, Roy, Pain BC is a collaborative, not-for-profit organization. So we bring together people living with pain, clinical experts, researchers, policymakers, and others. And our goal is to transform the way pain is understood and treated in our province. How is pain treated in your province at this particular time? Was the story we heard last week that the college had uh, instructed physicians to be more generous as far as taking on patients is concerned and more willing to prescribe opioids, is, was that a real development or was that just something that was taken out of a, out, out of a previous directive? Uh, no, there, what that was was a change in the legal standards uh, that physicians must adhere to in prescribing opioids or sedative medications. So in June of 2016, the college brought in new legal standards and guidelines to uh, really direct the way that prescribing was happening here in BC. This was the first province to bring in legal standards around prescribing. And what we saw as a result of that policy was a very dramatic change in the way opioids were being prescribed to people living with pain. So we heard many stories of people who uh, were being weaned very aggressively, some uh, people living with pain who were being cut off of their medications, uh, and certainly cases where patients were being denied care uh, because of either a history of needing opioids for pain uh, or even requesting opioids for pain. So physicians saying that they would be unwilling to uh, take on those patients. So the recent change that happened, the new standard uh, was uh, came into effect on June the 4th. And this uh, new standard prohibits physicians from discriminating against uh, patients, either because they have chronic pain because they're requesting opioids or because they have a history of using opioids for pain. So has the scenario then, the reality, really significantly changed for British Columbia chronic pain patients? Because I've spoken with chronic pain patients in BC as we've spoken with chronic pain patients across Canada and the United States, and at times their life is an unmanage unmanageable hell. So has it significantly changed then for the BC pain patient? 
Well, Roy, I think that we need to look at this most recent policy in the broader context of a system with a system of care for people living with pain. So you know from your own interviews with people living with pain that treating pain is not simple. There's not a silver bullet that is going to address pain for most people who have it. So this recent policy change is one piece in a broader sort of ecosystem of trying to figure out uh, ways to properly treat pain patients. But just on that one piece, on the this new policy from the college, you know, policy gets made all the time, but it needs to be interpreted and then implemented by individual physicians. So what we're waiting to see is, is this policy change going to make a difference and are physicians who maybe have felt very concerned about potential sanctions or punishment from the college, are they going to take uh, a different approach because the college is saying you cannot discriminate and that care must be individualized, so not just across the board cutting people off or weaning everybody. So we're really waiting to see how this policy will be implemented. Of course. And yes, I've heard many times from pain patients across Canada uh, that their doctors have told them, doctors who've treated them for a significant period of time, I can no longer feel comfortable or safe prescribing you the medications I've been prescribing you, those medications being opioids, because those doctors said they feared for their licenses at times, or at least they feared there would be some kind of sanction or other that would be lowered on them by the colleges. And yet the colleges tell me repeatedly, no, we have not given any such uh, directive or we haven't issued any threats. We haven't, we don't want our doctors to be concerned about that. So I've always said somewhere along the line, the communication is failing here. Ms. Hudspeth, let me, let me take a quick break. I'll come back and we'll talk some more about what you do at Payne BC and talk about the patient's needs and what's available to them. We'll come right back on The Roy Green Show. Proudly Canadian and making Canada proud. This is the Roy Green Show. I'm on Twitter at the Roy Green Show at the Roy Green Show and emails to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. On the webpage, RoyGreenShow.com, you can uh, log on and you can uh, subscribe to our podcasts. You can listen to anything that we hear anytime on your schedule. Uh, Maria Hudspeth is the executive director of Payne BC, joining us on the Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. And we like to look at what's going on across Canada and in the United States with pain and chronic pain patients what the rules and regulations are in some provinces are very different to what they might be in other provinces, and how doctors approach pain patients is different in province A than it is in province B. Some pain patients have told me they've gone to hospitals and emergency rooms when they felt they really required instant assistance, and now they're being looked at as though they were drug seekers and they aren't being properly treated. A doctor in California is being investigated, the story's in the news today, because she humiliated and made fun of a patient who came to the ER with his father and who was suffering from tremendous pain. Ms. Hudspeth, um, I just want to read uh, a few lines from this news story, and maybe you can explain to us what, what's actually going on. The BC Medical Quality Initiative is reviewing their guidelines on pain management 
and the proposed rules would require a high level of certification for non-hospital practitioners, meaning that the number of doctors working to administer treatment in local clinics outside the provincial health authorities could be greatly reduced. Does the pain patient now have to be concerned about a potential reduction in doctors who can actually provide pain management assistance? Definitely. There is an effort underway in our province, which I think the intention is noble. You know, it's certainly an intention to create some common standards in terms of the kinds of training uh, and supervision that physicians need to do more complex pain procedures. So this is not um, a, a rule that will affect prescribing, but it is a rule that will affect interventional pain medicine. So those are treatments that typically uh, patients are accessing when many of the other things that work for chronic pain have failed. So these are things like facet uh, joint injections or other kinds of um, injections in the joint or even in the spine. And so the BC uh, Medical Quality Initiative is trying to create a common standard that will apply to physicians uh, in the province and because the College of Physicians and Surgeons of BC has stated that they will adopt this new standard, it will eventually, from what we understand, apply to all physicians in both public institutions and private institutions. That standard is expected to be very, very high. And as a result, many physicians who have been providing these treatments historically will no longer be eligible. So when I say many of these physicians, we're really talking a small number of physicians that currently provide these services. So there are about 20 of them providing uh, these services outside of uh, our publicly funded hospital system. And we expect that that number, very, very few of them will actually meet this new standard, despite having provided these services for several years. That's frightening for chronic pain patients. It absolutely is. And I think um, my concern, uh, just as my concern with any of these policies, they may have a noble intention and be a good idea in theory, just like you know, trying to bring a more uh, balanced approach to prescribing opioids. You know, it sounds great in theory, but what we've seen is that these policies have had unintended consequences for pain patients, and we're very concerned about that. You know, I spoke uh, a few weeks ago with the mother of a 30-year-old woman who's a police officer, and... Um, She's a mom herself, a 12-year-old, was a great athlete, and then a few years ago started to develop some really serious pain conditions, chronic pain conditions, and she found herself unable. Now, this was in the United States, but she was unable to get any opioid prescriptions filled, even from the doctors who had been doing it for her previously. Her pain became so unmanageable that this 30-year-old mom and police officer shot and killed herself. A few days ago, I heard about a 61-year-old woman who very similarly was denied uh, pain medication, opioid pain medication, which had worked at least given her some quality of life. That was denied her because the doctors who were able to prescribe wouldn't because they had concerns about possible repercussions for them. She took a gun and shot herself. Opioids provide some degree of quality of life. There's no, there's no good reason 
to force people into situations where they actually contemplate taking their own lives because their pain medications have been so severely restricted or just denied. I, I absolutely agree with you. And I think this is a case where for many years, you know, there are lots of things in the pain management toolbox. Physio is helpful for many people. Psychological support is helpful. Opioids are helpful. So, but what we've seen is what has been publicly funded in uh, Canada is the medication piece only and not those other pillars of evidence-based pain management. So as a result, you know, it was really the system and many of uh, part, many of the parts of the system in terms of what gets paid for um, that has created a kind of over-reliance on opioids as the only pillar in the pain management toolbox that people can access. And now we're seeing this pendulum swing back. It, for the most part, you know, this is not, has nothing to do with individual patients and any kind of fault of theirs. Most people are managing uh, their medications very responsibly. They're not diverting them. They're not misusing them. But it's those patients that are being caught in the crossfire of this broader public policy issue. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I'm as concerned as you are about that. And we're hearing similar stories here in D.C. I'm sure you are. How do people get in touch with you? Uh, Well, we have a very active social media presence. So they could just go on Facebook and search for Pain D.C. Um, They can find us on the web at uh, paindc.ca. Uh, really any social media platform, just search for us and you'll find us there. Ms. Hudspeth, thank you so much for taking the time. Really appreciate talking to you. Thanks for your attention to this issue, Roy. Take care. Bye-bye. Maria Hudspeth, Pain BC. Now, are you a person living with intractable pain, with chronic pain, constant or almost constant pain, which negatively impacts on your life? Are you experiencing difficulty obtaining opioid pain medication which has been prescribed for you previously, has a doctor told you that they're afraid to prescribe opioids because there might be repercussions for the doctor? What is your life like without the pain medications you require? Have you thought about or even talked about committing suicide? Not because you're tired of living, but because you cannot live with the agony of constant pain when Doctors won't prescribe what you need. My number is 1-800-263-2428, 1-800-263-2428. Opioids and pain medication in the news, pain management in the news. We might as well take advantage of this and provide some momentum for pain patients. If you're a chronic pain patient and you're not getting the meds you require, what is life like for you? What is life like for you with chronic pain? Anywhere in Canada, one 800 263 2428. He always got straight A's, but his report card said he talked too much. This is the Roy Green Show. Anytime there is uh, an opportunity for us to deal with this issue that affects millions of people in this country, millions of good people, we're going to talk about it. Because the next person who is 
dealing with intractable pain could be you. And we're not talking about headaches. Or as our ever-eloquent prime minister suggested, just a minor irritation. Now, this is agony these people go through. And now they're being denied. We've been denied their opioid medications for some time, many of them. Others are having them forcefully, forcibly reduced. Because the doctor says, I feel I have to because otherwise I may be punished and I'm not going to lose my license for you. We've heard that more than once. And patients who've gone to emergency rooms have been told, basically, go away. We know you're only here to try to score drugs. You're an addict. These are people who are living with a hellacious reality. And you know what it comes down to? It comes down to money. I'm absolutely, thoroughly, totally convinced it comes down to money. It's all about who pays for this. And with millions of people requiring assistance and potentially millions of people requiring opioids, and the public system running out of money, the patient becomes expendable. Now, video calls in a second at 800-263-2428, 1-800-263-2428, your experiences. Living with pain, intractable pain. I want to share this with you. I got in touch with the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Ontario. And I asked whether their registrar would be willing to come on the show. They called me back. A media person called me back. He was terribly nervous. They called me back. And he said, the registrar won't, probably won't talk to you, but the president of the college will. So we exchanged some more emails, and I provided them two dates for this weekend, one Saturday, one today, and times. They didn't get back to me. So I had to send another email and say, well, the first one's gone because I can't hold it on to two times forever. So here is Sunday is still available. No reply. Now, the college insists that they're not threatening doctors. They're not suggesting there's going to be suspension or sanctions for doctors. But why won't they talk to me? Maybe they've gone and listened to the interviews with Jane Philpott and the registrar of the Alberta College of Pharmacists. They didn't fare so well in their interviews with me about this because I've heard far too many hellacious stories about good people who are being kicked to the curb including a 76-year-old military veteran and police veteran who's living in Oakville, whose meds were taken away, taken away. Because the doctor was concerned about the guides, the guideline. The guideline might hurt him. 800-263-2428 is my number. What's your experience with chronic pain? What's it doing to your life? And have you had a situation where... Your meds have been taken away from you. Mark is in Toronto. Hi, Mark. Go ahead, please, sir. How you doing, boy? All right, sir. Go ahead. Uh, I uh, have to take uh, pain medication to uh, just uh, daily living, uh, keep my job. Uh, without it, I wouldn't be able to support myself or carry on as far as uh, taking care of myself. 
what, what are you living with, Mark? What kind of pain do you have? I have chronic pain. Uh, I sleep with it. I'm awake with it. Uh, it. It doesn't go away. I've had many operations, and uh, it's the best it'll get. And uh, I was at one point where before I was on any of this uh, prescription stuff, I was taking a lot of uh, off-the-shelf medications where the doctor said, you can't do this, you're going to kill yourself. I said, I have to do what i got to do to keep moving. So, so they've done surgeries on you. Is there a condition? Is there? Did they call it a condition? What you're living with? Uh, it's chronic. Uh, I'll always have it. Uh, it, it was uh, arthritis. It started out with, and it deteriorated the joint. Oh wow! So you're, you're, it's twenty four seven for you. Yes. And did I'm they for- did have, have they have they significantly reduced or taken away your? Did you have opioid medications, and did they take them away from you? I've had it for a number of years. I still am on them. They are reducing them. We're trying to reduce them because I know the doctor's been pressured. Uh, he's not publicly going to admit it. And uh, if I can, I'm cooperating with him as much as I can. But it's it's coming to a point whether he's going to keep doing it for his license or i got to look for alternatives. If you didn't have the uh, opioids that they still prescribe for you, if you had nothing, could you live your life um, reasonably? Would you able to get, be able to get around and do the things you need to do? Actually, uh, I'm limited to what I do now. I basically just work and rest just so I can keep up with my regular schedule. Uh, without it, there was a time when I actually considered in the worst-case scenario. Yeah. Mark, thank you very much for the call. And there are lots of people who care, and there are lots of people who will stand up and fight, but they need to know what they're fighting for and I who will, they're fighting for. I will say this. I understand uh, people uh, as far as people abusing it. Uh, I do not abuse it. I follow as directed by the doctor. The doctor uh, monitors me regular, and uh, it's steady. He knows I'm very careful. I'm protective with the medications. There's never been an issue there. The only issue now is uh, the doctor I know is being pressured. Yeah, I hear you, Mark. Thank you for the call. This is what happens. Doctors get pressured. The colleges say, no, they're not. Well, how can every doctor I speak to about this who's in pain management, how can they all tell me the same thing? Or most of them. I guarantee them that I'll keep their names, their identities confidential, but they tell me they feel that they may lose their licenses. And then the colleges say to me, well, that's not true. We never, we never pressure them. They, they know that's not going to happen. Really? Then why are doctors in the United States and Canada, Canada and the United States, saying the same thing? And why is Mark suffering the way he is? Belinda in Langley, British Columbia. Hi, Belinda. Hello. What's your story? Uh, I'm calling about my mom. She's 67 years old. She's had rheumatoid arthritis for about 25 years. And uh, one condition after another. Her life is basically, um, you know, there's not much left, not much joy left. And she's a joy seeker, but there's not much joy left for her. Most recently, she's um, been diagnosed with... um, uh, two, two herniated discs and one sequestered disc, which means it popped out and it's not going to go back in. 
and we're and in the meantime she's been diagnosed with lung cancer um so in february she lost her short-term memory and she was um because of her disc pain she was in a scooter she couldn't move around anymore except in a little scooter they were on holidays and they had to rent a scooter because she was in such pain um anyway they got home and we took her to the hospital because of her memory but it turns out that's when we found out her discs were um so deteriorated and um, from there, we've been in the hospital three, four times now in the last month, two months. Um, one time because she's been on so much morphine over the Dilaudid, they call it, over the last six months to try to keep the pain under control. And this is being prescribed. Yeah. Is it being prescribed by the hospital or a family doctor? Family doctor. And it's okay. not that she's had too much. She's been taking what's been prescribed, but it's accumulated in her system because she's not able to process it because of all of her other conditions. Anyway, she went into an opioid overdose, and um, then she had to have Narcan, and she went into the kind of pain that I hope nobody ever has to experience in their whole lives, because all of the pain had to be, you know, all the medication was relieved from her body. What we're trying to find is surgery. The surgeons won't do surgery on her in Colonus. Now we have to travel to Kamloops for, um, and we don't know how we're going to get her there, or to False Creek Surgical Center, and we're trying to explore pain centers to find alternate ways because we don't want her to have as much morphine that's going to Well, you may pain. you may well want to get a hold of Pain BC. Get we uh, have. Call, call that well. Uh, we may, have there's there are waiting lists. Okay. There's a 6 to 9 month waiting list for You know, I, I I I'm going to say to you that what you're describing to us is how broad the spectrum becomes yeah. for people who are dealing with pain because mm-hmm. it leads to and I had an article on this and it's really excellently written that if you have a really serious issue with chronic pain, with intractable pain, it will then trigger other conditions in your body. This is a medical article that I've written, not just a, a read, not just something that's been written by somebody who has an idea or, or two. This is a medical piece that it will then, the pain will start to affect, or the nerves, the injury to the nerves will start to affect other parts of your body, and you will become progressively worse. And... And and this this uh, according to this 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 column that I read this article that I read, it's almost unavoidable. So the 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 point again is, stop it at the very beginning. Stop it as soon as you can, or intervene as quickly as you can. Belinda, thank you for the call. Eight hundred two six three twenty four twenty eight. I wish your mother, I really wish your mother well. Sixty seven years of age, and going through all of that. You know, we have this healthcare system in Canada, don't we? That we're so proud of. That's supposed to take care of us. And the most fundamental problem is that people who live with terrible pain, intractable pain, cannot get the drugs that they need. And in the cases we're talking about here, it's the opioid medications that patients have been told they cannot have, as they always have been provided. Um, And then they're told you can't have them because the doctor doesn't want to get into trouble with the college. What is your story? What is chronic pain doing to your life and have you been denied your medications 800-263-2428 he doesn't like bullies and he'll call them out this this is the roy green show all right Burn blue on the sea 
Next hour, we're going to be talking about uh, Andrew Scheer and the uh, Conservative Party of Canada. Mr. Scheer's decision to turf Maxime Bernier into the gulag. Maxime Bernier sent me a tweet, said uh, he would prefer not to talk at this particular time, but at least he got in touch. I, I just tried to reach him through Twitter. And I've done the same with the conservatives. I've let them know on Twitter that I'd like to speak with, uh, with Mr. Shear, but I've had no response to that. I'm not, I don't dislike Andrew Shear, Not at all. I think he's a very nice guy. I just don't think that he's doing what he needs to do to be a conservative and win an election. And then I find it difficult to accept that some people tell me, well, you should be accepting of our leader. He's not my leader. I'm not a party member. I don't have a card that says I'm a member of the Conservative Party of Canada. I'm just a philosophically conservative person. And if you have conservative in your brand name, that doesn't mean I'm on your team. Back to the issue with chronic pain patients. I'm standing with them 100% because they're the ones who are being literally abused. Steve in Toronto. How are you, Steve? Hi. I want I want to say I'm good, but I'm not doing too good. Um, I'm suffering from chronic pain. My condition is ventral pain syndrome. It's thalamus pain syndrome. And I, I, I got this horrible pain from an operation that didn't go well. Um, it's a neurological pain. And it, it, beyond the pain, I just want to talk about how it destroys families as well. Um, I'm in constant pain. Uh, my wife has stood beside me. There are days when it's really rough on her to see me going through this. And my immediate family just cannot help me anymore. I depend on the hospitals and the doctors to try and take care of me. However, when I'm sent, when I have a flare-up, and I'm, I call 911, and they bring me to the hospital, I'm left on a stretcher in the hallway without anyone attending to me, and my wife crying and screaming. Um, I try to hold it together for everybody, because I don't want them to hurt. I'm hurting, and I just don't want anyone else to hurt. But the pain is horrible, and when the doctor does finally see me, he, he mentions what you had just said. I'm not going to give you hydromorphine. I don't want to lose my license. And he said that to me to myself, my wife, and I just couldn't believe it. And he just walked away and said, we're going to refer you back to your pain clinic. And it's just we're going round and round in circles here. And the pain is horrible. I tried even to figure out, you know, is there places in the U.S. that can help me? Is there any other province in Canada that can help me? But I am suffering from thalamus pain syndrome. And it's destroying my life and destroying my body. I've heard the story. I've heard these experiences from other patients about how their their families, uh, in some cases, don't stand by them anymore because they can't accept what's what's going on any longer. Uh, others are fortunate where their families do stand by them, but it's. It must be horribly hard. Here you're trying to hold everything together, and I understand from what you've told me, this is a core issue. This is your body's core that is in pain, right? Yeah. And, and so I, I can't imagine how you keep it together because the pain levels 
must have you wanting to scream and um i i get quite upset about it um it's you know i mean it's it's a huge lesion on the brain it's neurological yeah so, um, and the doctor said to you in the hospital and they've got the they've got right there within 15 20 feet from where the doctor's talking to you they have the supply of the medication that would settle your pain down and at least allow you to have some degree of quality of life. And the doctor says to you, right in the hospital, right in the center of patient care, that's what that big blue and white sign's about with the H. In the center of patient care, they say to you, the doctor says to you, I will not prescribe you hydromorphone because I'm afraid that I'm going to be sanctioned. I may, I may lose my license. This is a hospital doctor saying that to you. Meanwhile, the colleges say, "No, we never, we never threaten doctors." No. That is exactly what he said to me, and I felt the system has failed me. I, I don't understand. I, do they not have an obligation to make you pain-free under the healthcare system when you walk in there and you give them your health card? Are they not obligated to make you pain-free? Uh, I don't want to hear I'm going to lose my license. Um, I, I understand that my pain's with me forever. I understand that, that you know, giving me a shot of hydromorphine may, may help me for that day and maybe the next day, but I want a quality of life. I want to have some relief, if it's one or two days of relief. And it's readily available, Steve. It's readily and easily available. It's right there. All they have to do is administer it, and they're doctors. And so they, therefore, are licensed to prescribe and administer. Yes. You're, you're, the, you're the one who's being let down. I thank you so much for the call, sir. All I can tell you, Steve, is I'll keep fighting for you, and I know there are many people across this country who will fight for you and all other chronic pain patients. I hope our, our national media, thank you, Steve, take good care of yourself, man. Father's Day, too. I hope that our national media, our mainstream media, becomes more engaged, more involved, and more concerned about the patients like Steve. We'll come right back. 